We love our stuff. We love our things, our possessions. Uh, we guard them, we protect them, and if we're not careful, we hoard them and don't share them. We have a lot of stuff that we've collected, and as you age, it's real easy to collect more stuff and to justify your stuff. And so there's this journey that you walk on, just continual collection of things, and stuff becomes more valuable. There are some things that are more valuable than others. And so we purchase homes, and we put security systems on them so people can't take our stuff. And we want to protect from intruders getting our stuff when we're not there. This is, we have MM security at our house. You come to our house, there's an alarm that will go off that says, burglar, 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 um, something like that. But we have this in our front yard. So if you come to our house, you'll see this sign that says this house is secured, electronically protected by M&M security. Warning. We have all kinds of stuff. Have you ever had something that you thought was there, and when you went to get it, it was gone or someone took it? Well, if you're a parent, that happens often. Your kids grab your stuff all the time. Or if you're a man that's in the garage and you go to get a tool that you know exactly where it's at, you hang it up in that spot. How many men, husbands, dads ever went there to go get that tool? And it's like, all right, who's got the tool? And you find it out in the yard. You find it laying in the, the, on the porch. And it's like, but that's my stuff. Put it back where it belongs. We have all kinds of stuff. Or we believe that our stuff will always be there. And so we do things to protect it. And we got to be careful that we don't value our stuff more than we do people in Jesus Christ. So we have this ongoing mission, if we're not careful, of that all we're concerned about is protecting our stuff, make our stuff more, grow our stuff, and we lose sight of so many other things, so many other things in the world called people in Jesus Christ. On my way to Asia on this last trip, to Cambodia and Thailand, we have a large sum of money that we travel with to care for the expenses that each mission trip person has raised. And so I normally, and I did on this trip too, divide up the cash into three different places. I carry some, someone else carries some, and another person carries some. So that the cash is divided. So that the cash is, if I was to lose it, I didn't lose it all. I only lost one third of it. And so I, I put it in a protective case. I put it in, sealed inside of that. And I carry it in a place where I always have eye contact with it. You have to go through me to get that. And so it's a, a protection device that I use. And so I was really careful in this last trip to do that. And then I carry personal money on the trip that I often use for, to buy gifts for donors in Thailand or Cambodia, buying a, a scarf or something or that say thank you to them. And so I carry personal money and some other things that I buy. On this most recent trip, I had a, a place where I stored and carried some of the cash. I carried some of the cash. I carried a significant more than she did for this trip. And so I was so careful to protect it. I would always check. And if you've ever traveled and you've ever, it's like looking for your passport. Every 10 minutes you're looking for your passport. It's like, oh, it's gone. It's missing. It's like, it's just this non-going stop a panic attack if you're not careful. I'm looking for your passport. It's just like, I gotta, gotta get my passport. Because you can't survive without a passport. So I've carried my money. And I was on the last leg from Cambodia to Thailand. And I had in my personal money, I had it in a Zippo folder, and I stuck it in the pouch of the seat in front of me on the, the jet that we were flying on. 
we had to fill out an, an a arrival card, and so I had the necessary information there, and I put it back in there, and I was thinking about getting off the plane. And so we got off the plane, and we traveled to Thailand. We, we meet our host there. We get to see some of our kids, and, and we're at the hotel, and the next morning, we're going to, this happened to be that night, we were going down into the market to buy some, some gifts, and I went to look for my money, and it's gone. It's like, it's gone. It's, and it's like I have just protected that for 80 million miles, and it's, it's gone. And it occurred to me that I had left it in the pouch of the jet that I was flying on. So it's nothing like going back to your wife and say, honey, <laughs> I just left three $100 bills in the seat that was in front of me. And so I blew it. I, I had an absent-minded 51-year-old moment, and I, I didn't protect, even though I wanted to. And needless to say, uh, we prayed about it, and we said, God, just hope the next person that sits in that seat goes to reach for their earphones. Woo! This is my lucky day. And we prayed that God would bless them for that. And so we were able to get some souvenirs. We had some cash to buy some souvenirs. But all that to say, we protect our stuff. And sometimes we work overboard protected, but there are some measures that we can't do as good a job as we'd like to do. And there's a passage in Scripture that we began this series called Sketchy that Jesus is reminding these disciples initially in the New Testament saying, look back. You need to remember what happened back here because this is valuable information. There was someone in the past that really tried to protect their stuff, that really valued their stuff more than they did me. And you need to remind yourself of that. You need to remember that so that you don't end up like this person does. In fact, it's found in the Bible. Just listen to this story first in the New Testament before we read from it in the Old Testament today. Listen to this account. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, and he says these words. Listen to these words. I'll read them to you today. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he's about to tell them this. He says this, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also it would be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, going to church, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah ended the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. In other words, it just happened. It was, they were just going about business, working their nine to five, planning their schedules, dropping off the kids for soccer practice. And then it says this in verse 28. Then the floods came. It was the same way in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, marrying their kids, planning and building, going to watch the NASCAR race at 12 o'clock, hoping the service is over quick enough to do it. But the day, some of you got that, but the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. In other words, again, Jesus says, hey, There was another group of people. They were just going about business, just checking in, checking out, clocking in, clocking out, going about their nine to five, caring for the kids, eating and drinking, sleeping, and doing whatever they need to do, catching their programs, exercising. And then fire came and burned them all up. It's like, man, Jesus, what are you talking about? You got the flood, you got this fire. And then he says these words. These are to his disciples. Verse 30. It will be just like this. On the day the Son of Man is revealed. He's looking at his disciples and says, hey, it's going to be just like this. Flood, fire, it's going to be just like this. On the day the Son of Man is revealed. Then he says this, on that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. 
likewise. No one in the field should go back for anything. And then he says these words that we're going to hang on today to. And we're going to introduce our sketchy woman. He says three words to his disciples. And this is all he says. Remember Lot's wife. Luke 17, verse 32. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. And Jesus says to these disciples, hey, remember Lot's wife. Two will be in bed. One will be taken. One will be left behind. Two will be grinding stone in the stone mill. One or grain. One will be taken. One will be left. And he says to his disciples, hey, you better remember that. Remember Noah's days? Hey, remember what happened with Lot and Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. He didn't say this, take heed. He didn't say, do not be like Lot's wife. He says, remember. He speaks like we are able to forget. He speaks to the disciples, hey, you could protect a lot of things, and you could wrap your mind around a lot of things, and you could store things on thumb drives. And, but listen, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. It's as if he's saying, if you don't, you're in danger because the son of man's going to come and he's going to destroy everything. Two will be in the bed. One will be taken. Somebody's going to be left behind. So remember Lot's wife. Don't be like her. He says, keep this topic, this subject close to your mind. And so why, we might ask today. Probably because he knows that we're prone to forget. Probably because he knows that you got pretty busy today and Probably for the first time, it's like, oh, I've got to go worship God. Probably because you're already thinking about what you're going to do after the service. Probably because you haven't thought about the Son of Man coming in a very long time. Probably because if you're really honest in the main and the link and across the internet right now, if I were to ask you to raise your hand, how many of you thought about Christ's second return this week? When Jesus says, remember Lot's wife, because the Son of Man's going to come. And he's going to come and he's going to rapture. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, it's going to be the voice of an archangel and the trumpet sound of God. And he's going to come and he's going to reach down and rapture those that are in the grave. And they're going to be rescued out. And those that know Christ are going to be raptured out. And those that don't know Christ are going to be left behind. He says, remember Lot's wife. Don't be like her and be left behind. Ask yourself this question. How many of you woke up this morning thinking this could be the day? That Christ came back. How many of you woke up and thought, oh, I gotta make sure my neighbors know. I gotta make sure my, my kids know. I gotta make sure my husband knows. I gotta make sure my wife knows. I gotta make sure my boyfriend and girlfriend, I gotta make sure everyone knows because remember Lot's wife, the Son of Man could come back today and the trumpet could sound. Why did Jesus remind his disciples of that and why am I reminding you of that today? Because Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. What good is it to gain the whole world and forfeit your own soul? Lot had to make choices early in his life. And one of the first he made is he found what to do with this stuff. Grab your Bibles and turn to Genesis 13. And let's see what we're supposed to remember about Lot's wife. Genesis chapter 13. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up or ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. Genesis 13. 
Let's see why we're supposed to remember Lot's wife. Stand with me, and we'll, we'll read this together. Genesis 13, verses 1 to 13. Like I said last week, I'll be reading from the new NIV. And so there might be some words that are different in your NIV 84. But those of you who have smartphones and electronic devices, you'll be saying amen because it lines up with me. Genesis 13, verses 1 to 13. Let's read this out loud. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram became very wealthy in livestock and silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were unable to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zor was well watered, like the garden of the Lord in the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Let me have a seat. What a way to end a reading. The people of the land, Sodom and Gomorrah, were wicked and were sinning against the Lord. And so that's where Lot pitched his tents and says, I want to live there. I want to go where the water is good so my cattle can be fed. I want to go there where my crops can grow. And as he looked out, he had so much stuff, the passage says, between the two of them that they couldn't share the same land. What a problem to have, huh? We've got so much stuff. We need to spread out. You just go, go wide, go left, I'll go right. And literally, that's what he did. He had tons of stuff because Abraham was blessed by God and his relatives and the nations to come. So Lot looked around and saw the whole plain. He took the area that was near Sodom and Gomorrah. He chose a piece of land that people flaunted their sins before God. So he walked near a place and he lived near a place where the passage says regularly they sinned against the Lord. Sodom was a place of easy riches for Lot. And Lot eventually built inside the walls. He made a choice to plant himself there. It could have been a great opportunity for him to reach these people, but in just the opposite took place. He made himself a choice to plant himself there. Disaster was right around the corner. He could look out, boy, there they are. There's the Sodomites, and it's where we get the word sodomy. And I don't need an explanation for that if you know what sodomy is. Sodom, the name Sodom and Gomorrah, comes from what took place in Sodom. That's where we get the word sodomy, the Sodomites. That's where the word that we use today is derived from, Sodom and Gomorrah. So it was a wicked place. And that's where Lot and Lot's wife, who never has a name in Scripture other than she's the wife of Lot. Nowhere here do I see Lot 
praying to God to see where he wants him to go. Now, God wants to destroy the city because of the wickedness that's there. But Abraham, his uncle, goes to God and pleads. He says, God, please don't kill the city because I have relatives there. God, there's got to be some righteous people there because when they went before God, Abraham, the angel of the Lord went before Abraham. He said, I'm going to wipe out the city. There's, no, there's not enough righteous people there. And so Abraham begins to plead. If for the sake of 50 people, will you save the land? I'll do that if there's 50 people. If for the sake of 40 and 30 and 20, finally gets down to 10. And, and as Abraham is pleading, he said, I'll save the city if there's 10 people. Finally, God agrees for the sake of 10 that he would save literally Lot in these, these, that, that are left. But everyone else is going to get wiped out. I found it very challenging as I was reading that this week. I wonder, just personally for you, if God came to your town, if God landed in Topeka, if God landed in Goshen or New Paris or Middlebury or Elkhart or Napanee or Wakarusa, if God went to South Bend or Millersburg or Benton or Foraker or Bristol or Warsaw or Shipshawana or Milford or Jimtown or your hometown, if God went there and said, I'll save this city, I'll save this city if there are 10 righteous people, would your name surface in that town in order for God to save that city? God is willing to save the city for the sake of 10. God in his grace said, I will not destroy it, or at least I'll let your relatives, Lot, and his family go. God's grace stretches further than we could ever imagine. Consider all the privileges at this point that Lot's wife was benefit with. Think about this for a second. She married a relative of Abraham who was blessed beyond measure, so the nations would be blessed by him. She had unusual wealth marrying into this family. She witnessed firsthand faith of Abraham. She heard about Abraham. She had so much stuff, and the family had so much stuff that they couldn't share it together. The farms weren't big enough for the cattle. There wasn't enough property there that they had to move all their stuff. I mean, she, was, she had inherited all kinds of earthly possessions, And I wonder, as I begin to unfold this story, if that isn't the reason why she fell and the reason why we look at her at the end of this story in a place that none of us want to be. And I wonder if that isn't God's warning to us today. Remember Lot's wife. She protected and wanted her stuff more than she wanted me. Now fast forward to Lot. He's... His wife is only known as Lot's wife. They are living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Then it says this in chapter 19. God wants to destroy the land. So God sends someone in to rescue Lot and his wife. Look at chapter 19, verses 1 to 3. The two angels arrived in Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. No, they answered, we will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did not go with him and he entered his house. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. God gives us a reminder in Scripture. Remember Lot's wife, because there will come a day first. There will come a day when the Son of Man will come. He's speaking to us. 
there will, that he will come and he will rapture those that know Christ out of the earth and we will meet those that are in the graves. Their bodies will come out of the graves and those of us who know Christ will meet each other in the air and we will be rescued. But those that don't will be left behind. And the Bible says this, that when that event happens, by the way, it could happen today. When that event happens, there's a voice of an archangel and there's a loud trumpet call from God. This week, I, I woke up early Thursday morning. It was, it was 3.45, and I was just wrestling and turning, and I got up, and I went out into the front room, and I just I said, oh, God, what's going on? What, what are you trying to say to me? I woke up with this deep, deep conviction of you need to tell people about Jesus, Jim. You need to amp up your personal evangelism. And I was even convicted this week. I, in our staff meeting on Tuesday, I was sitting in our staff meeting on Tuesday, and the six of us were around the table, and we had this waitress come by. And generally, I usually ask, I'll ask the waitress, hey, we're getting ready to pray. Can I, is there something we can pray for you? Looking for a bridge of conversation to, to point someone to Christ. And, and I remember see, sit, sitting there, and the thought came to my mind, and I didn't. And I woke up that morning convicted, just by God, Jim, what are you doing? So I, I pray, God, give me greater boldness, God. Give me greater boldness for evangelism. And, and there's this awareness like I've never had in a long time. And this awareness that Christ could come back this week. There is this awareness in my heart that, that, Jim, there's an urgency. Jim, don't waste your last days. Jim, I'm coming back. And I can't explain it to you other than I was deeply convicted. I, 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 it was like God was in the room and he was saying, I'm coming back. Make sure people know. And so then when I open up this text, it's like, this is exactly what this is about. And 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says that there would be a voice of an archangel. Listen, Jesus could come back today. Remember Lot's wife. And we're going to find out why. Because if you're not ready, you could end up like Lot's wife. And if the trumpet call sounds and you don't know Christ, you could be left behind. Christ could come back at any time. So did you wake up today thinking about a trumpet sound? It could happen in any moment. And so Jesus is looking at his disciples and said, be ready. Remember Noah? Remember Lot's wife? The people could be destroyed unless you know me. Let me just say this. How many days of this week did you live or do we live as those Jesus, as those Jesus coming back? Think about your, your planning. Think about your schedule. How many of you ran from work to eating to playing to dropping off kids to exercise? How many moments this week did you stop and say, Christ could come back today? And even more than that, how many times this week did you stop and say, I got a neighbor that needs Jesus. I got a sister and a father and a brother. I got a friend. There's an urgency. The trumpet could sound. Jesus reminds us that in the New Testament. Two angels come and visit Lot and Lot's wife. 
And they come and they visit, and, and Lot bows down to him. The text says he bows down in Genesis 19. He doesn't know that they're angels of the Lord, but he just sees them as dignitaries or special people because you just didn't bow down to people. There must have been something about what they wore, and he invites them into their house, and they said, no, we'll stay in the city gate, but eventually he talks them in. And so there's these visitors that are coming to Lot and Lot's wife to rescue them. They have a voice and a message from God. Get out of here. Get gone. I'm going to destroy this city. And it could happen in, a, in the twinkling of an eye. It could happen now. I'm coming to rescue you, so you better be ready. Remember Lot's wife, Jesus is saying, because you better be ready. So the angels come. He's there in the house. And then it says this in chapter 19 and verse 4. Before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, Sodomites, where we get sodomy, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot. Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. You can soon see why Jesus and God wants to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. These visitors come as a messenger saying, hey, get out of here. You need to run because we're going to destroy this place is evil. So these visitors come, these angels of the Lord here dressed like men. They come walking in and these men who, who want to have sex with them are standing at the door and they're yelling at Lot. Hey, Lot, throw those men out here. We want to have sex with them. Listen, isn't that why God wants to destroy this city? You bet it is. So Lot, what he does next, what he does next with this information I had a difficult time with this week. Look what happens next. Look at verse 5. They called to Lot, where are the men? Bring them out so we can have sex with them. Lot went inside to meet them and went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends, some friends, huh? Sodomites, don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two what? Who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men who have just met three hours ago, for they have come under the protection of my roof. I want to scream, God, wipe him out. Why do you want to save a man like that? Who all he's concerned with is self-preservation. He's got these dignitaries in his house, and he's worried about his name. And so that the the sodomites don't have sodomized these men, he says, instead, I'll give you my daughter. What man in his right mind or father in his right mind would give up his kid? And why would God want to rescue him? I wrestled with this again. Just wrestle with this. Thinking, God, are you out of your mind? Just wipe them all out. And by the way, Lot's wife, I'm sure she heard this conversation too. Yet the Bible up to this point says she never spoke. But then I was deeply convicted again. And this thought occurred to me. Why do you want to rescue Lot? He wants his own, offering his own daughters up for sex to these dudes that just want to attack and rape him. What? God, why would you rescue him? And then something struck me this week. Somehow in the midst of this 
worst moment of this man's life in my mind, God saw something worth saving in this man, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Do I have that kind of grace and mercy towards lost people? He was a believer, let alone a Christ follower. Do I have grace and mercy towards an ex-offender, towards an ex-hater, towards an ex-enemy, towards an ex-wife? Maybe that's why it says Jesus is patient with us, not willing that any should perish. And all of a sudden it hit me and realized that, am I really, am I sin any different than the sin that's happening here? Sure, the play out of it, it's horrible, but is there any really difference than sin, than sin? I mean, seriously, think about it. What if today I, I was able to gather your story And I said, here, for the next 17 hours, we're going to show everyone's story. I got the videotape of your life, everything, all the dark details. Ready? Play. How many of you are deserving of God's grace? How many of us are deserving of God's mercy? How many of you would bolt out of this place or go up and take Andy out in the tech room before he got to your video? I was deeply, deeply, deeply convicted. And at the same time, grateful, grateful, grateful that in spite of my sin, Jesus still saved me before the foundation of the world. I don't claim to fully grasp and understand all that, but I am grasping, thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. I am completely undeserving of your grace. That does something to you when you grasp that. You become less judgmental of people. You let go of their faults sooner. Your exes no longer are your exes. You love them with the love of Jesus Christ. Maybe the reason I responded so horribly, and I should on some levels, maybe the reason I did is because I've categorized my sin and we've categorized our sin and say, well, my sin isn't as bad as this. And listen, one sin separates you from God. One. It could be gossip. It could be not following through. It could be a sin of omission. It could be the whole gamut. All it takes is one. Sin is sin. And by God's grace, he's willing to save us in the armpit of sin. And in a horrible way, I think Lot was more concerned about his own well-being than his family's well-being, that he was willing to save his most important visitors and his chance to be in the in-group than he was about protecting his own daughters. And really, are we any different in sometimes in our lives what we try to hold on to and protect? Never forget why the angels came, though. And why? Because Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. The angels came to rescue. Because in any moment, even today, Jesus is reminding us, remember Lot's wife, because in the twinkling of an eye, Christ could come back. He could come back before this service over. He could come back and you've been saying, God, I've been holding on. I've been waiting on just one of these days. And Jesus is saying, no, one of these days isn't going to happen. He could come today. So why should we remember Lot's wife? Because Jesus would do what he said he would do. Look at verse 10. He offers up his kids, his daughters. And in verse 9, it says, get out of our way. They replied, this fellow came here as a foreigner. He's talking a lot. You just came and planted here and lived here. and You're a foreigner anyhow. Now, now he wants to play judge, telling who I should have, we should have. 
We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. Then it says this in verse 10. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Undeserving grace. I mean, seriously, why would you want to rescue that man who just was willing to offer up his daughters for sex? It's because of grace, grace community. It's because of mercy. It's because we need it too. It's because we've been given it. And when you know you've been given it, you live differently. It says this in verse 11. Then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness, so they could not find the door. Hit the pause button here for a second. Lot's wife, she's not speaking. There's, in fact, this whole account, she never utters a word. And Jesus is saying, remember Lot's wife. Well, at least have her say something, would you? Meanwhile, she's observing all this. She, she saw these men pounding on the door. She saw these angelic visitors in her house. She saw these men, these angelic visitors, grab a whole lot, yanking back in. Then she witnessed firsthand with her own eyes the blindness that came upon these sodomites. Now listen, she was firsthand witness to the power of God. You would think that would radically change her. You would think that she would just be on her knees and say, God, whatever you want, I follow you. I will follow you. You would think that whatever he said, she would go. You would think that, that she had seen firsthand witness miraculous intervention of God, that there would be no hesitation. You would think she would drop everything and run after God. But are we any different? <laughs> Some of us have prayed for stuff for our kids and for our, for our, for our families and for, and for our, our churches and, and, and for individuals. Some of us have had the, 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 the visit of God upon our life. We've prayed and God has miraculously moved. We have witnessed him move firsthand. And yet three days removed from that, oh God, where, where are you at, God? <laughs> and we choose not to follow him. We're no different than Lot's wife. Read on with me. Chapter 19. She saw this in verse 12. The two men said to Lot, do you have the two angels of the Lord? Do you have anyone else here? Son-in-law, sons or daughters, anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here because we are going to destroy this place. The outcry of the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. Verse 14. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to be married to his daughters. He said, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his son-in-laws thought he was what? Joking. Now, that's some son-in-laws, isn't it? Seriously. They're about to marry your daughters, dads. You're, go to, you're going to tell them, hey, follow God. Hey, listen to me. God just spoke to me. You need to get out of here because God is about to destroy the city. The word of the Lord has spoken and they laugh at you. What would you do? Would you say, you don't let, when you're standing in the wedding ceremony, who gives this person away? Not I. Imagine that moment as a father. Now Lot's sons, future son-in-laws are laughing at him thinking, this guy's lost his head. And, but Jesus said, remember Lot's wife, there's an urgency because he's about to destroy. And he's telling us today, the son of man could come back today. So live, we should live with urgency. He could come today. Are you ready? 
Or do you just kind of blow it off <laughs> like the sons in laws here? <laughs> Man, Jim's lost his head. He just had bad pizza that night. <laughs> oh, it's just the Bible. It's like Luke. Every once in a while, Jesus would just say some radical. Jesus isn't coming back. He hasn't come back for 2,000 years. Oh, I'm just going to coast in retirement. Oh, I'm fine. I'm just going to go watch, do this and do that. How many of you live with a sense of urgency? Jesus said, remember Lot's wife because I could come back today. There's a sense of urgency. Look what happens next. Chapter 19, verse 15. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot. Urgency. Saying, hurry. Second time they say hurry. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. Then it says this in verse 16. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand in the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. Even in that final moment, they were still hesitant. And you got to ask this question. Why would you still linger when two angels of the Lord just came? You just saw men get blinded by a miraculous move of God. You're getting a voice of the Lord from a messenger of the Lord says, get out of here. You're going to destroy. Why would you linger? It says that they must have hung around too long that the angel said, enough of this. They grab them by the hands, grasp them, and begin to yank them out and say, we're out of here. Whether you're coming or not, think you should come. I'm bringing you out. It struck me again this week that even in that most urgent moment, God's grace was given again. Still, they weren't sure about following God. God's mercy says, hey, I'm willing that none should perish. He gives them another chance. And so he grabs the daughters, he grabs the wife, he grabs Lot, and they began to leave this place. And then this happens while he's taking them out. Look at verse 16. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hands in the hands of the Lord, and his two daughters led them safely out. Verse 17. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives. Don't look what? And don't what? Stop anywhere in the plain. Flee. The second time they said flee. A couple of verses before, they said, hurry, hurry, twice. Now they're saying, flee, flee, twice. Listen, there's some urgency. And don't stop anywhere in the plane. Don't look back. Twice. They give a reminder of this. Then it says this in verse 18. By the way, there's still not a word from Lot's wife. Verse 18. But Lot said to them, no, my lords, <laughs> please. Your servant has found, has found favor in your eyes, and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life, but I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me, and I'll die. As if he has a better plan than God. Verse 20. Look, here is a town near enough to run to. It is small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. He said to them, Very well, the angels of the Lord said. I will grant this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of. Once again, for the third time, but hurry up and get out of here. Flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That is why the town was called Zor. Grace again. Even in the midst of lingering, they want to grab their stuff. And it's probably like, man, what about my china? What about my vest? What about my clothes? And the angels of the Lord say, get out of here. They pull them out. And then after they get out and they're out of the city, the angel of the Lord Lot pleased a bargain with him. Hey, can we go over here instead of over there? He was still thinking about his own best interests, and God still gave him grace. 
Okay, he said, we'll give you that piece of the land. Then it says this in verse 23. By the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land. Now, for me this week, that was a new thought because I have read this many times and I've seen the Hollywood version, you know. It's just, if you watch the, the most recent one that was on TV, Lot and his wife, they're, they're coming out of Sodom and Gomorrah and the angel of the Lord's are with them and they're holding the hands of the daughters. And, and in this case, during the ancient Orient, the husband always went first. The man walked out in front. And so Lot and his wife and his daughters were following. And as they're walking away, the, the, it seemed like it just happened like that. But listen, they started at dawn and they didn't get there to dusk. So they had walked for 12 hours until they got to this place. For 12 hours, Lot's wife did what she was supposed to do. For 12 hours, the daughters followed and didn't ask questions, just followed and and walked ahead. They were so close to the, the, the land of salvation. Lot's wife was like one step away. And there was this reminder, she could do anything but look back. She was so close, it says at dusk, they arrived at Zor. It's as if she was at the gates of heaven, one step. She was holding on. It's like, God, I'm going to come to you. She was almost saved, almost. And then it says this in verse 26. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of what? No one will ever know. No one will ever know what Lot's wife saw when she looked back. No one will ever know what she was thinking when she looked back. No one will ever know what her last thought was before she became a pillar of salt. But what we do know, she wanted that more than she wanted God. Maybe it was one last look after 12 hours of of traveling to see what happened to the homestead. Maybe it was one last look at the willow tree where where they they had a a swing set under. Maybe it was one last reminder of, but what about the cars? What about the landscaping? What about the, the, the new driveway that we just put in? What about the new shed? What about the new shingles? What about the bank account. What about, what about, we'll never know, but whatever it was, she wanted that stuff more than she wanted God. And the Bible says that she turned into a pillar of salt. She was almost there. It's like she was one step away from freedom, from salvation. She was at the gates of the city. She could see it. It was there. And she had been warned She knew that this was the way. She was warned, don't hold on to stuff. Don't look back, just like we're warned. There was a sense of urgency. The time's going to come. You're not going to have another chance. This could be the day that the trumpet could go off. This could be the day. She turns into a pillar of salt. Look at verse 27. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land, like smoke from a furnace. There's not a word from Lot after this. 
It's not a word from his daughters. It's Abraham looking back and seeing God did what he said he would do. He came and he destroyed. And if you don't have him and connected to him in relationship with him, you're done. In this case, when she looked back and held on to earthly stuff, she turned into a pillar of salt. And God was saying through Jesus in the New Testament, remember Lot's wife, because the reason we need to remember some of us are so close to the gate of salvation. Freedom is right there. Jesus wants to take us. He's offered. He sent the warning. The red lights have went off. He could come back and you could be so close and you might be saying, one of these days, one of these days, I got to hold on one more. Give me one more shot with this relationship. Give me one more day with this guy. And there's going to come a day that there will be a day when you are destroyed and the trumpet will sound and you won't have another chance. Remember Lot's wife. Imagine the conversations that Lot had with people. So what happened to your wife? Imagine trying to explain that. So, hey, sorry about your wife. I heard about your wife. She didn't she like turn into a pillar of salt? Why did that happen? Well, it wasn't because she didn't know, because she was told. It wasn't because she didn't understand, because she was told. She was merely a victim of God's wrath. A victim of holding on to the wrong stuff. Maybe she loved her earthly stuff too much that she couldn't let go of it, thinking that would bring her life when Jesus said the trumpet could sound and here's the warning today. I could come back. Are you ready? Have you clung to me? Are you clinging to that? (laughs) Remember Lot's wife. So the picture we have of Lot's wife is this. She lived trying to protect the wrong stuff. Remember Lot's wife. Why, Jesus, why? Why do we need to remember Lot's wife? Because this is how she ended her life. Really? Yeah, remember Lot's wife. Because she gave all that up an eternity with God for this. This. And Jesus is saying, remember Lot's wife. Because this could be you. Remember the warning that was given at Grace Community Church and hundreds of times before. Remember Christ could come back at any moment. You might be this close to the gate. And if you're not clinging to Jesus, remember Lot's wife. This is how you'll end up far away from God in hell. So the question I have today is this. Have you traded stuff for eternity with Jesus? Genesis chapter 12 and verse 4 says this. Don't turn there. Before Abram left the land and headed out with Lot, Genesis chapter 12 and verse 4 says this. It says, Abraham followed God. Lot followed Abraham. In other words, Abraham did what God wanted. At that point in his life, Lot was just following Abraham. There's the money. There's the stuff. I'm going to, and at some point, 
He got it right. And we get to the end of this story. Lot followed God. Lot's wife followed Abraham and ended up as a pillar of salt. Who you follow? Jesus said this, and he made it clear. There's no way to the Father God except through me. You can't earn it. You don't get it by worshiping at Grace Community Church. You don't get it by listening to Pastor Jim's messages. You don't get it by serving on blitzes. You don't get it by serving in the, in the kid's city. You don't get it by serving in axes. You don't get it by giving offering. You don't get it by rescuing orphans. You don't get salvation. You could be this close and there will become a day, Jesus said, there will come a day when the trumpet sounds. And listen, if you don't have me, you haven't personalized me as the Lord and leader of your life, listen, you will be destroyed just like Noah and just like Lot and his wife. And he says, so remember Lot's wife. The word has warned us. Jesus could come back today. He could. Lord, in this room and across the world and in the link, are people who have been warned just like Lot's wife was, that destruction is coming, that the end is near. And many have trusted in you. And when that trumpet sounds, they will be raptured. But Lord, there's some here that are so close, still believing that maybe they can earn their way in or do one more good thing. But Lord, you tell us that we are saved by grace through faith, Alone, not by works. We can't earn it. We can't do anything to get it. It's purely grace. And we also know it's only through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. There's no other way. There's no other God except through Jesus Christ. Listen to me, Grace Community. Don't leave this room unless you know that you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Don't be banking on your parents' faith. Don't be banking on the blessing of your husband or the blessing of your wife. Don't be banking on your possession. Don't be holding too tightly thinking, boy, if I just build another this or build another that, I'll get in. The only way in is through the grace of Jesus Christ alone. When I opened this message, I said this, remember Lot's wife. Jesus is saying that today. Because the Son of Man could come today. Are you ready? I'm going to ask you to stand with your eyes closed. Just, we're about to sing a song that encourages us to come just as we are. And with your eyes closed and heads bowed, just, just listen to me. Please. For the cause of Jesus Christ and the blood on the cross, take the gift. Run with it. It's free. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to fix up your sin. You don't have to get cleaned up. He he loves you at your very worst. You could have walked in here this morning and had your very most sinful moment. Jesus loves you. 
just like you are. And if you've been fooled to believe that somehow you've got to get fixed up before you come to Christ, that you're almost there, you'll almost never be there. Never. Nothing should be added to salvation. Absolutely nothing. It's grace through faith alone. You can't earn it. You can't keep it. It's because of his sustaining, powerful grace that we're saved. Jesus warned us. He told his disciples. And now 2,000 years later, I warn you, Christ is coming. He's coming. He could come today. Remember Lot's wife. Don't be left behind. Receive the life-changing, powerful Savior as your Lord and leader now, not tomorrow, now. There's an urgency. Hurry, the Bible said. Flee, run. No deals. Jesus, Jesus only. So I stand here today as a messenger of God, knowing that there's individuals who are uncertain, who are hoping when they stand before God, who are unsure, who are fighting pride and embarrassment. What will people think? Here's what they'll think if you come forward and respond to Christ. Praise the Lord. It might mean you walk through six people in your row. It might mean that you shock your wife thinking she thought you were saved. It might mean you shock your husband. It might mean that you're a, a child of a pastor, an elder, a deacon or a leader. So be, it might be you are a leader. I don't care. There's an urgency. It's Jesus or nothing. And so Jesus stands here today, says, come. Remember Lot's wife. Jesus gave up too much on the cross for us not to take that powerful life-changing gift of salvation. Don't be left at the gate and hear these words. Depart from me. I never knew you. We're going to keep it short and sweet. We're going to sing a song and give you a chance to come. Take the free gift of salvation. Walk through your pride. Tell the devil and his voices, just go back where he belongs. Go to hell, devil. That's where you belong. You've been fighting too long. Just come and kneel across the front and the link in the main. If you just want to say, Jesus, I surrender. Here I am. I'm making sure. There's, there's no fighting. Just come. Just come as we sing and just... Run to the front. Skip across people. Knock them down. Just come. Come. Respond to Christ. Just come and kneel and just say, here I am, Jesus. Here I am. Here I am. Don't fight it any longer.